0: Hi, I'm Michael Stiddle. And I'm Nick Nanos. And this is Trendline. So we're back, Nick. January 2020. Uh, new look uh, for the Prime Minister, but not for us. <laughs> but first, I want to get started with uh, the Conservative leadership race has barely begun and we already have people dropping out.
1: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You know, you look at the national ballot trend and it's still a tight race between the Liberals and the Conservatives. We have the Liberals at 34, Conservatives at 31, NDP at 16. And... Uh, you know, it, the, so it's, for all intents and purposes, a very tight race nationally. And then now we've got this leadership race, kind of like, uh, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, it's it started, but it hasn't started. We've had uh, Jean Charest this week drop out. We had another individual, Brian Brulot, who uh, was a party out, inside, outsider, I'll call him, uh, mm-hmm. sit, announce and then step out, uh, both, be, both because of the rules uh, this leadership race is going to be of critical importance for the conservatives if they want to have a chance to try to oust the uh, oust the liberals. Because uh, you know, when we look at our polling numbers, it's like you know, you go to the prairies. I think the conservatives are at like 60% in the prairies, and the liberals mm-hmm. are in the in the teens. Uh, but you know, what the conservatives need, they need a leader. That has appeal specifically in Ontario, uh, most important Ontario, but uh, also uh, to a lesser extent in, in Quebec. So where's the winning? Right, where's right. the winning strategy for the Conservatives? They need to think of someone that can, that can grow the conservative potential in order for them to challenge the, the Liberals.
0: It, it seems to me we're almost seeing this old uh, Reform Party, progressive conservative party, split again. Uh, so obviously Jean Charet would be the old progressive conservative side, but then we've got uh, Pierre Polyev, and he's backed by some old Harper era people, John Baird and Jenny Byrne, uh, representing maybe the old Harper Reform Party. Uh, we're still waiting if Rona Ambrose, Rona Ambrose, pardon me, will enter the race. Uh, it, it, are they? Is there a sort of a, a, a party split there?
1: Well. I'm not sure if we would call it a split, but, you know, the thing is, is that like all parties, you know, the Liberals are a broad tent. There are blue Liberals and red Liberals. You know, the, the Conservatives are really no different. There are more right-wing Conservatives and there are more progressive Conservatives from the old Progressive Conservative Party. Um, you know, I, I thought it was quite interesting that uh, former Prime Minister Stephen Harper stepped off the PC Canada Fund um, in order mm-hmm. to free yeah. himself to be more active in the leadership uh, you know, yep. Michael, you talked about us being back. Well, it sounds like Stephen Harper's back.
0: No, oh, yeah. You know,
1: yeah. He's, he's been the architect of this new Conservative Party, right? He presided over the merger between the Progressive Conservatives and the Canadian Alliance slash Reform Party. Uh, he was the first leader of the newly merged party. He obviously has an interest in making sure, from his perspective, that it's viable and can win, and he wants to have more latitude. Another person mm-hmm. we haven't mentioned and hasn't been in the news as much uh, would be James Moore um, from British Columbia. Right. He's another person whose name has been floated out there. He would be another very credible uh, potential candidate uh, to to add to the, the mix. But, uh, you know, it's been more about candidates dropping out. And, you know, we've got Peter McKay back. And remember, Peter didn't run for the leadership. Peter McKay didn't run for the leadership against Stephen Harper. So he's back.
0: And he seems to be the, the the biggest figure in this race so far. And he's obviously representing the old Progressive Conservative Party, he, for which he used to be the leader. Yeah. Um, and he was also, you know, right after the Conservatives' election loss, he was one of the first people to jump in and uh, criticize Andrew Shearer.
1: Yeah. And well, you know what, Michael? I was at the event where he uh, he didn't criticize. He, he criticized Andrew Shearer, but it was more of disappointment. With the outcome mm-hmm. of the election, and that's when he made the comment about not scoring on an empty net. Um, so I didn't really—I was at that event. I didn't see it as a personal criticism of Sheer, but more an articulation of a disappointment with the last, last federal election. But you know, when mm-hmm. we when we look at Peter McKay, uh, he has significant public profile. He's the former leader of the Progressive Conservatives. But that said, under under the newly merged party, and when when Stephen Harper won the leadership and formed the government. Peter McKay was a solid cabinet minister and a team player. Um, right. You know, even though he was the the leader of the former Progressive Conservatives, so you know he's uh, you know he would come from from that wing of the party, but the reality is is that he was a uh, a pretty solid cabinet minister uh, under Stephen Harper. So it's an it's an interesting mix. But we you know, I think the Liberals are watching this closely because. Uh, you know the thing is for the liberals, they're they're looking at those seats in Ontario. Um, the Conservatives, if they want to be competitive, have to do well in Ontario. When Stephen Harper won, mm-hmm. it was because he had a rock solid base in the West, was competitive in the Ontario, and picked up a few seats in Quebec. That's realistically the winning franchise, and the winning the winning strategy at least uh, for the for the federal Conservative Party.
0: Now, just to go back to Jean Charest. Uh... I mean Again, he dropped out this week even before he really entered the race. Uh, in his outgoing statement, he said that he was concerned uh, about political divisions in, or regional divisions in Canada. Uh, but he also made a point of saying that, I'm going to quote him here, On environmental issues, the CPC, CPC must offer Canadians a credible and ambitious plan in regard to the management of our natural resources and the fight against climate change. One does not exclude the other. Uh, So which of these candidates might step into that void, do you think, and have a a more of a a environmentally friendly message, I suppose?
1: Well, it's hard to tell. But, you know, the thing is, is that uh, it's pretty clear that, you know, Alberta, I think when we think of the heart and soul of the party, you know, for those conservative members uh, in the province of Alberta, um, they, you know, really want to ensure that Canada has some sort of Vision that includes developing resources, um, and that hopefully tries to reconcile kind of environmental aspirations. Um, but I, you know, you have to remember for Jean Chretien, he's the former minister of the environment under Brian Mulroney. I think, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. he was kind of involved in the Rio round. Um, you know, very successful on that front. Uh, you know, one of the one of the candidates that probably people would expect. To be more pro-environment would probably be Peter McKay because, because of his progressive conservative roots um, mm-hmm. uh, in the same way that people would expect uh, candidates from uh, any candidates from the West to, to likely tilt in favor of, uh, of, of energy resource jobs and those types of issues.
0: Now, how, where are we with the preferred PM numbers? Uh, is, is Trudeau still kind of low from the election or is or he bounced back up or... Um, well, he's
1: uh, you know right now, and we have to be careful because we have Andrew Scheer in the mix. But you know Trudeau's at around mm-hmm. 33%. Scheer, who's now the uh, what we say the interim leader, uh, is at around 20. Um, he had a little bit of a bounce post-election, uh, but uh, his numbers have been going down over the last week, few weeks. Actually, what's happened in the last number of weeks is that the uh, the proportion of Canadians that are unsure has increased. Uh, to 21%, and to put this into context, during the election, it was only 12%. So, mm. you know, what we saw, you know, was that Andrew Scheer's numbers went up during the election and then dropped and has been dropping since he's uh, stepped down. So, but, you know, the, the key takeaway here is that people aren't flocking to uh, Justin Trudeau, even with Andrew Scheer stepping down, they're moving into the unsure uh, category by and large
0: now uh as for the prime minister he's spotting a new look uh it's a new year new look for the guy um i guess we would be remiss if we didn't discuss that
1: are you talking about the beard i am and do you have a declaration (laughs) to make
0: uh are you gonna out me on this on this podcast i I think we should ask uh, who
1: on this podcast has a beard not me (laughs) that's nick nanos talking
0: yes I do, I do. I, Michael Siddle, do have a beard. Okay. I am on Team Beard. I support my fellow beardos. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. But I should, I have a conflict of interest, that's so true. I should not engage in this well, in this debate.
1: Well, so uh, I'm glad that you're an ethical journalist. So, uh, I think, I think, <laughs> I think for the the liberals, you know, when you happen to be the prime minister, there is nothing that you do by chance. Everything has a purpose. Mm-hmm. Everything has a reason. And uh, I think what we're looking at is a reboot. Uh, the Liberals trying to reboot Justin Trudeau's brand, um, you know, in the same way that in 2015 it was sunny ways and positive and happy and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's pretty clear that 2020, um, the uh, the Liberals want to uh, remake or reframe or refocus the Prime Minister to uh, to be more uh, what I'll say more serious more focused Mm -hmm. um and and that that's part of the what i'll say the rebrand but you know we shouldn't read too much into facial hair i hate i hate even talking about these types of issues but i think it's (laughs) no but i think it's just uh of note it's i'd always i kind of say of note right Mm -hmm. so uh so you know for the liberals it's pretty clear that uh, they're just trying to send a message that this is a a new and different uh justin trudeau that uh something there's something a little different and they're trying to basically send a
0: signal and they're away on a caucus retreat currently in uh, manitoba where they're trying to get brian Palliser to help them uh, ease uh tensions with the west i suppose um, is there any strategy do you think that they should be uh, pursuing
1: well i think it's uh jobs 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 uh, you know, there's still a significant amount of anxiety about the future strength of the Canadian economy, uh, even though the macroeconomic numbers look relatively solid on the jobs front. And, uh, you know, the thing is, is that people are still worried about jobs. And, you know, when we look at the prairies, you know, like I said before, you know, the, the Conservatives, I think in our tracking ha- are at around 61 uh, percent in the prairies and the Liberals are yeah. at 16 or 17 percent. Um, and you know, for the for the Liberals to win, it would they would probably want to try to pick up a couple seats in the West, because for all intents and purposes, you know, being shut out out of a couple provinces robs them of the ability to claim to be a national government. Uh, you know, parties always want to win seats in every region, uh, because it just uh, it makes it easier for cabinet forming cabinet. It makes it easier for their deliberations and saying that they uh, listen to Canadians. So I, I think for the Liberals, having, the, having you know, the, their caucus retreat in, in Manitoba is a bit of neutral territory because once you get into Saskatchewan and Alberta, uh, the Canadians that live in those two provinces are definitely not on board. Winni- Winnipeg in, mm-hmm. is probably the, the, the friendliest part of the prairies, uh, at least for the... Friendly Manitoba. Yes, friendl- there you yeah, go. at least uh, <laughs> compared to Saskatchewan and Alberta right. from, uh, from a Liberal perspective.
0: And let's not forget Nick uh, Christia Freeland, now the Deputy Prime Minister. Uh, we've seen her on the front lines a lot. Uh, what's, what's her role in terms of these regional divisions?
1: Well, it's pretty clear that what the Prime Minister wants to do is to deploy Christia Freeland to help mend and guide the Federation. Uh, she, she did a, you know, by all accounts, people everyone recognized that she did about as well as anyone could do in her dealings with, with the Trump administration and go- and navigating in that environment and now uh, what the what it looks like the prime minister is hoping for is that she can replicate that at the national scene because right now fed prov you know fed federal provincial relations right now is uh pretty tense you know you've got some openly hostile premiers in alberta saskatchewan and ontario uh, it's not as much of a friendly atmosphere for the liberals as it was back in 2015 when there were oodles of liberal gov- provincial liberal governments right across the country. And putting Christia Freeland there is probably a, a signal that fed- federal-provincial relations is important and that he's hoping that uh, Christia Freeland can uh, make headway in the same way that she made headway in foreign affairs.
0: So, Nick, uh, what's your big takeaway this week? And you can talk about the beard if you want.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Big takeaway is the Conservative leadership. I think uh, Canadians will take an interest. You have to remember, you know, the, the Liberals only won just a little more than 30 30, you know, low 30s in terms of the popular support. So, you know, two-thirds of Canadians voted against them, and two-thirds of Canadians will probably take an interest in who becomes the next leader of the Conservative Party, whether it's a stay-the-course, Stephen Harper, Andrew Scheer-type candidate, or whether it's a candidate that is more progressive. And I think uh, everybody's going to be fixated on the uh, conservative leadership race. And, you know, for the conservatives, they have to make sure that not only do they put on a good show, but that they don't come out divided. Because if the conservative party looks like it's divided, people will think if they can't even get their act together and be united behind a candidate that can have a good win, people will think that they're not ready to rule and uh, not ready in terms of being a government-in-waiting.
0: And Nick, where can people find you?
1: People can find me on Twitter at Nick Nik Nanos or on the web at www.nanos.co.
0: And I'm at Michael Stittle. Thank you very much for listening. And this episode was produced by Trevor Correll, Jesse Taharali, and Phil Hahn. Our executive producer is Liz Travers. Sound editing was done by Jesse Taharali. This show is hosted by Nick Nanos and myself, Michael Stittle. As always, thanks for listening.